It's blazing hot outside. You get in your car to turn on the AC to get cold air pumping, but it blows hot air out. This issue is commonly caused by low refrigerant due to leaks in the AC system. You want an easy, all-in-one solution that will restore the cold air in no time. AC Pro Recharge Kits. Make restoring cold air easy for even those with zero DIY experience in less than 10 minutes. Save time and money versus going to a shop by picking up an AC Pro Recharge Kit today. Be a pro with AC Pro. Welcome back to Play Tessie. It is episode 13. I am Coop. That is Sammy sniffling his way through this episode. He's going to be our trooper. We are also joined along with Pat and Gordo back stateside from Nashville in the winter meetings. I don't know if you guys have already looked. at. Have you looked at the sheet yet? No. Okay. Name a number 13. Alex Cora off the list. Hanley. Hanley. Oh, good one. Lou See Maloney. if you can have the other two that I've got there. Lou? Lou is on Lou. the list. Oh, man. Come on, oh, Gordo. These, these are good. I'm looking at This guy's an him. icon. He'll steal your balls. Ooh. Ooh. Doug Mankiewicz. That is right. It is Ooh. the Doug Mankiewicz, the Alex Cora, Lou Merloni, and Hanley Ramirez Ooh. episode, episode 13 of the official podcast of Richard Starsky's favorite football team. That's right, love. We're talking Liverpool because John Henry cares about them more. Than the Red Sox, possibly, maybe not. But Shohei Otani is a LA Dodger, seven hundred million dollars, and that's what we're going to talk about on the podcast that is also known as the official Red Sox podcast of Weei. So let's just let's let's rip the bandaid off. Uh, you can pay for Mookie Betts and Shohei Otani, huh? Yeah. How about that? <laughs> we we have been we've been lied to. We've been lied to all these years, Coop. It sucks. It sucks. Like it, it like that's not the whole like narrative behind the point. And I don't want to be the one to be like, oh, well, the Mookie Betts trade is it sucks even more now. Cause guess what? It's always gonna suck. Like no. not like it's never going to change. Uh like it's always gonna be sucky. It just the part that sucks the most now is when you realize that, yeah, in baseball you you can be a big market and you can just say F it to the salary tax and just continue to keep spending or like finding I, out I ways mean, like it's football to like be able to spend that way because Otani's contract would pass and followed up on his initial news break with was that Otani is going to be able to have what like I, I forget what the term decelerators or some uh, escalators uh, escalators where like he's able to like backload the deferred money. Yes. So like he has options to backload it so that they can bring talent in and they can compete. Is that accurate? It's the deferred money is the numbers not out. And granted with this whole Otani frenzy, take all this with a grain of salt, but there's reports that half of that is deferred money. So in other words, he's going to be getting paid down the road, like Bobby Bonilla hundred million dollars after he's out of the league. The reason that's so big is because it does not count to the luxury tax and it does not count to the CBT. How's that allowed? No, it does. It does. It's it does just count like in football, tax. Though, I feel like. No, the, the way it works is that they they like calculate what $700 million paid out. Like, let's say, because we don't know the terms yet, let's say it's paid out over 30 years. They calculate what is the present day value of $700 million paid out over 30 years. And then they divide that by the 10 years. And then that is your luxury tax hit. So like they could end up saying that the present day value of that contract is $500 million, at which point the luxury tax hit would be $50 million. So they're not going to have a $70 million annual tax yeah. hit 
whenever that's calculated. And then on top of that, it lightens the burden on the cap hit or the tax hit, whatever. But then also the key thing here is after he's off the team, you're going to see like the David Prices and the Manny Ramirez. Like he's going to be on their payroll for 30 years after he's gone. I don't know. That will that what will count every, toward their luxury tax. Why doesn't every team do this? this seems I, don't, like I don't think it will count. I don't think it counts to their luxury tax down the road. I think that the luxury tax hits are, but they will have to pay it. It's on their payroll. But the luxury tax calculations are only for the for the ten years he's there. Yeah. Well, clearly, <laughs> we don't really know how this works. It's super complicated. But seven hundred million dollars is nuts. I think. Uh, I think we were all kind of in agreement that the Dodgers were the favorite. So I don't believe any of us were shocked, but I was completely shocked when I saw if it were 600 million, I would have been, you know, oh my God, that's so much more than I thought. But 700 is bananas. So uh, congrats to Shohei. I think we should be happy as Red Sox fans, honestly, that he's not a Blue Jay and the Dodgers aren't going full throttle on Yamamoto now. So I was actually weirdly happy when I saw that news, but yeah, I'm, I'm just kind of happy that this whole thing is over and I'm sorry. I know, I know you wanted it bad, but we had a good, I wanted it bad, but I also, I was realistic about it. I was like, Oh, it's not going to happen. But if it happens, like it's kind of a fun narrative to have. Um, He's going to be worth it. He's going to be worth every penny. I think what like the craziest part of all of it is that he's not even fully healthy. If he was fully healthy, like just, that's you're reaching like close to a billy on that contract, I think. Do you guys buy the conspiracy that Shohei's agency, CAA, used Toronto as leverage, like all these fake rumors, so that the Dodgers would panic and up the price? Because how do you get to seven hundred million when the rumors were five fifty at the most, maybe six hundred, but seven hundred? What do you guys think? Well, there was I the- buy it a little bit because I don't. I don't think they put. Robert Hershevik on the plane or anything like maybe yeah, they no. saw that that was a thing and put and had it put out there but like John Morosi is not reporting that information unless someone he considers very reliable told him so I, I do think that Shohei's agency fed that information to John Morosi so he would go on MLB Network and say that and have it go viral and make the Dodgers sweat it out a little bit because you're right Sammy 700 you don't get to 700 million dollars if you think that all along this guy is coming here it's just a matter of when not if yeah. Oh, and also like um Blue Jays are in the same division as the Red Sox. <laughs> Sorry, Blue Jays fans. <laughs> That's so yeah. brutal. Oh so my god. To be teased that, like that. I wouldn't even I wouldn't even wish that on like Yankees fans. Like they must have been partying thinking we're getting the greatest player of all time. He's on his way here. He's flying. It's being reported by John Morosi, who we'll get to. Oh my God, man, that is just, that has to be gut-wrenching, whatever they went through the last uh, December 8th and 9th. Good God, well, but yeah. Sammy, do you remember last year with the Xander thing? Because that we had that whole day where every everyone under the sun was reporting that Xander and the Red Sox were making progress. And it just, it felt like, because every time these guys sign, it's like, oh, he's talking to this team. Oh, negotiations are happening. Oh, they're close. And then, oh, it's signed. Like that progression was happening. We all thought it was done. Yeah. Imagine that, but for the greatest player on the planet who's doing something that we have never seen before, a guy and, who's an absolute unicorn. And it was like, 
they had no shot. Like nobody mentioned the Blue Jays. And then all of a sudden it's like, you know, Canada. And, and I still stand by this. It would have been really good for baseball if you went to the Blue Jays. They have a massive fan base. I don't know if, if you guys have ever seen when the Blue Jays go to Seattle. It's like half Blue Jays fans because the people in Vancouver come down to Seattle. They don't have another team to root for. So they're Blue Jays fans and like 35 million, however many people there are there. So, um, yeah, I mean, I'm happy it didn't happen, but I do think it would have been really good for baseball if Shohei was on the uh, Blue Jays. But let's all be on the East Coast. Yeah. As Red Sox fans, let's all rejoice that we don't have to battle that dude for a playoff spot. Now, do you think this adds pressure to Craig Breslow or no? Because I, I, in the moment, I was like, oh, they've got to up it now. If they want to compete, like Yankees got Soto, Dodgers now have Otani, Freeman, and Mookie. What are the Red Sox doing? And I've just kind of looked at it as now as like, well, they can do all they can. Like, this is just like the inevitable of the league. And they, like, they, I, I don't think it changes anything that Craig Breslow was going to do in the first place, just because... Otani was never really on the radar as much as that kills me to admit it. It was pitching and the pitching is still out there. Snell is still out there. Montgomery is still out there. Yamamoto is still out there. Imanaga. But it's more of, do we think the Red Sox are as, yeah, I don't, I don't, I, yeah, no. I said that and was like, Oh, it eh. doesn't, doesn't <laughs> but it, it, I mean like that, are the Red Sox going to be more or less aggressive? And I, I like I just don't think no. I think they're probably going well, to be doing just as what they were doing beforehand. So Montgomery is still, I think, the most likely candidate at this point. Well, it depends, I feel like, on how much pressure they feel from the fans. Because as the second Otani signed and it wasn't with the Red Sox, like we saw it. Fan there was pressure from fans. There were articles to that, like Rob. Rob Bradford wrote a great article today and those opinions were going to be out there when Otani signed as long as it wasn't with the Red Sox. So I don't think it changes their mindset, but like the fans and the media are certainly going to turn up the heat. Like yeah, that's for I mean, sure. if, if they, if the Red Sox ownership doesn't already feel the heat after winter weekend last year, after all these poor finishes and, it's really not even the the finishes, like the way they finish in the standings. What bugs me personally as a fan is going into the season feeling like the Red Sox got almost no shot to even make the playoffs, let alone contend for another ring. I just I feel like they're going to really, really badly alienate a large, more casual fan uh, portion of the fan base if they don't make a splash and it doesn't need to be Yamamoto. I've been saying Yamamoto or bust nonstop, but that's kind of tongue in cheek. That's my number one guy. But if it's, if they come out of the off season and your rotation is Snell, Montgomery, Bayo, we're going to be fired up. We're going to be oh, ready. Yeah. Team that can contend. So. It's hard not to look at that and be like, Oh, they are going to be competitive in the AL East. Cause yeah, at the end of the day, all you have to do is punch a ticket as much as, I still think you're punching a ticket and having to play teams like the Braves and the Dodgers if you want to get to the final dance. Um, And you're going to have to plan for that. But it is just a matter of trying to punch that ticket into the playoffs. And with that rotation you just named, absolutely. I think my biggest gripe over the last two years, like Sammy was saying, is like going in, like maybe we're a wild card team. Like knowing that the ceiling is wild card, but then also immediately when those disappointing seasons end, having Sam Kennedy in ownership in my face saying that 
essentially blowing smoke up our ass, saying we're committed <laughs> to winning championships, we're going to go out, we're going to make moves that help us, blah, 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 all of this. And then we end up with Corey Kluber and Luis Urias. Like, what are we doing here? <laughs> all Like, all I want is a move that makes me feel like, okay, this team is legitimately improved in 2024. Something substantial where I feel like closure in the sense of they're actually trying to build a competitive baseball team. We haven't had that since, I would say, story, and that might even be a stretch. Yeah. Pat, you brought up a good point, the Sam Kennedy thing, and um, my 9 to 5 is a PR job, so I understand how it goes, but as a fan, to hear him kind of, you know, do the talk where... He says what he's supposed to say. I get it. But man, it's frustrating over and over just hearing the same thing. And all we want is a competitive baseball team, one that we can go to Fenway and watch. And last night I went out for drinks with my friend and I was just talking about the same thing, saying I, I'm dreading that feeling when you go to Fenway and you feel like resentful towards the product you're watching. And you feel like you're not being scammed, but you're like, what am I doing here, man? These guys, like the ownership doesn't care about this team. Like, why am I here sitting in the pouring rain, spending these $11 beers? It's cold. I'm miserable. It's six to one Orioles. Red Sox are getting smoked. I just don't want that again. It's been, what, 2023, 2022? 2021 was the exception, but then you go 2020, you could barely even watch that team. It was miserable. So 2019 too. Even in 2021, there was- 2021, there was not like that was a that was a chance. Yeah, for a like, better part of that season, you were just kind of thinking, oh, they might be able to turn something into like gold here. Yeah, and it's, it's not like we're we're not asking for you know. Okay, <laughs> let me hold up. Some people are asking for crazy off seasons. Us on this show, the four of us, we just want two solid starting pitchers, like we were told they would go after. And I'm not saying that that's not going to happen. I do think it's going to happen, but. Every day, every second that passes by, the anxiety ratchets up a teeny, teeny bit. And it's so, oh, man, it just stirs and stirs. You see it on, like, Twitter. People, every time there's a signing, people are like, oh, man, not the Red Sox again. You let Andrew Chafin go? Buddy, what are you doing? So I'm trying to remain hopeful. You know, it's. I think it's valid to be frustrated because you're right, both of you guys, starting with Pat, that the last couple years we've basically we've been told by Sam Kennedy on behalf of ownership that this team was going to try to be a sustainable playoff team and to be a sustainable playoff team you have to make the playoffs and they haven't done that but this offseason was the one offseason where it felt like the stars lined up like their farm is ready it's like it's not all in the majors yet, but it, some of them are there and some of them are in the upper levels. Like that flow of guys is coming. It's already there. Not only that, but they got under the tax. They have a clear need. They don't have needs all over the diamond anymore. They did last year. This year, they don't have needs all over the diamond. They've got a couple of obvious holes and there's free agents that more than perfectly fit those holes. So Unlike the last couple of years when we were getting, as Pat said, a bunch of smoke blown up our asses, I think this year it actually lines up. And that is why I'm not 
ready to like I understand people who are frustrated right now, but I'm not willing to get there myself just because the guys who have gone off the board, like as much as as you guys know that Juan Soto is my dream Red Sox and it like absolutely kills me that he is a Yankee. He's not the guy that fills the glaring holes you have. And the guys who do fill those glaring holes are still on the market. If Yamamoto goes elsewhere, if he signs with the Yankees for $270 million and we don't hear a word about the Red Sox throughout the process, and or or if we do hear about it and there's that the, they they were uh, they were just outbid or something, at that point, feel free to go nuts because yeah. there's never been there has not been a more perfect free agent fit for the Red Sox since David Price at the time. Agreed. So you can get you. I, I understand frustration boiling. I'm just not ready to get there yet. If Yamamoto goes off the board, if Snell goes off the board, if Montgomery goes off the board, and those rentals start getting traded, and it's like the Red Sox keep getting linked to Seth Lugo, who I like, but is not. He's not. He cannot be the best guy that they get, yeah. and he can't. If you get him, you have to get a much better guy. Yeah. That's if that's point. the stuff they're looking at, then that's that's when you that's when you get frustrated. Well, that, right. and, if and Seth Lugo is like the follow up move for like Soto <laughs> and Otani, <laughs> like sports radio is going to care about baseball, which is nice. Yeah, they're not going to care about it in the right way, but they're going to care Sox about are, it. Uh, Sox are playing uh, chess, not checkers. That was, I, I have to say. That was friggin' hysterical where it comes out like Red Sox and Royals trying to get Seth Lugo. And then minutes later, it's like Shohei Otani signs for $7 trillion. Like, so just I, a microcosm of what we've been dealing with for the last like three years. Real quick before like we have Pat, because Pat clean, he, he did a little slew of thing on the actual deferrals, what we were talking about earlier. But Gordo, you brought up something that I thought was interesting where we're talking about, oh, it, like, obviously Soto doesn't fit, like, the hole that they need. But, like, Soto doesn't really fit a hole that the Yankees need. The Yankees needed pitching just as much. I mean, like, they have Garrett Cole leading the way, and they had Domingo when he was sober leading the way as well. Um, but, like, they didn't – they also were kind of in a spot with the Red Sox where their bats should have done a whole lot better in 2023 than the way that they performed – and they're likely they to pick bad. things. Yeah. And, and like, I don't think it. that they could have back-to-back seasons. So, yeah, it doesn't hurt to go out and get that bat, but it also wasn't exactly the hole that was needed. But Hal Steinbrenner finally went out and proved that he was his he was his son's kid. I mean, like, that was a George Steinbrenner weekend for the Yankees, or week for the Yankees, where they're actually going out and they're putting their you-know-what on the table and saying, we are the Yankees. And it's, for a while, that was the Red Sox, like, how it felt like a Steinbrenner was running the Red Sox as much as that might kill some Red Sox, older Red Sox people to admit. And we've been saying like, Oh, we're going to be smart about rebuilding. We're going to be smart about winning the next world series. But all these teams are kind of proving that you just go out and sign the good people and just like put it in. And, and I, like it's not that simple. There are pieces that had to build up to where those teams are right now, but it's just frustrating to see. I, I don't agree. Coop. I think right now where we're at, I think it is simple. Get two starters. If you neglect second base and get two starters, whatever. Fine. Just get two starters. That's why it's like like the the the, the whole process more of like the it's it's more of like just going like my whole issue is like yeah, we know that we need two starters. The, it, we knew we knew we yeah. needed starters the past couple of years. Go out and spend. Like that it Ooh. just 
that's there's no excuse not to spend in my like opinion at this point after yeah, seeing what like the Yankees and the Dodgers just zero. did, especially absolutely yeah. zero. And and you, I think you're. 85 or 86 million dollars under luxury tax so you could eat, you could get Shohei Otani price guy I know you're not going to but you could literally yeah. get Shohei and then also get a good number two or three starter you have a ton of space like there is Sammy, no it's, it's 45 they're like 45 under the tax oh for, okay. Okay. per per Sox payroll but still there's 65 under the second threshold which is that's the, that's where we should be targeting like I don't need them to go over the second threshold but they're 65 million dollars under that yeah. Oh, oh, so oh. That should my, be the target my, line. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Third one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The first threshold. What is it? 40. What'd you say? 40. Yeah, it's like $46 million, which is. That's a ton. Yeah, that is so much room. And like they should be, they should easily be over that this year. Like so if they you should not. Yamamoto, let's, say they, let's say they sign Yamamoto. Yeah. Thank you for correcting me, Gordo. Let's say they sign Yamamoto for 10 years, 300 million. It's so a 30 million. And then like assume that every year is 30 million. You still have a ton of space to sign a second guy. So like much that's, room. Yeah. And, no- it's, and it's also like the the mentality shouldn't be to be below that that line. Like I'm so okay with spending over. Spend all the money in the world at this point, John. You have to. Over. You absolutely have like, to. Like any There's, thought about the, the luxury tax, I'm like, no, it doesn't exist. It, like the like the, it the luxury tax just does straight up not exist anymore in baseball to me. Like just go out and figure it out. Remember that tweet, the Red Sox Twitter account? <laughs> oh, or it no, was like go there. The, worst, the worst tweet of all time it was like luxury tax reset I, yep. I probably like I might have thrown up when I saw that I could not believe like it's a good thing good thing they reset it hey our mentality has always been about winning championships right Sam Kennedy yeah. it's my... a good thing we didn't have this podcast back then Sammy that, that would oh, not have been a pretty episode oh my, my god my favorite thing like regarding luxury tax whatever was last year at Winter Weekend when I met Hein Bloom, a guy comes up and goes, Can you sign my shirt? The shirt had every world's 04, 07, 13, 18, and then it said 2020 under the luxury tax champions and handed Heim a Sharpie. Heim looks at me and he goes, Do you see this shit? And he signed the shirt and walked away. It was such a spit in his face, but looking back, so funny. Because we've heard for years that we're resetting the luxury tax or resetting the luxury tax. It's reset and you're acting like you still don't want to go over it. So what was the point of everything over the last three years? Yeah. Well, that's what Coop was saying at the beginning. That's that's the whole Mookie Betts thing is we were told you have to trade Mookie Betts so that we can retain two the other two, Xander and Rafi. And then they then they let Xander go. And it's like, okay, what are you gonna do now? And they haven't signed the big fit. Like we've seen like Trevor Story, that's like a Good con- a big contract, but not a huge contract. We've seen Yoshida. That's like a mid to big contract. It's not a huge contract. Like this is a this is a big market team. Like they have room on the books for more than one giant contract over the next few years. And if they don't do it, like there's no more excuses. Like this is the borderline this year. That's it. Yeah. What do you think? Okay. Question for you guys. Do you think that this is a tough question to frame? If the Red Sox don't make big moves, let's say they get like Jordan Montgomery, great, and Seth Lugo. And those are the two pitchers you get. And everybody and their mother is underwhelmed. What do you think attendance is going to look like? Because I feel like third year in a row is when you really start losing people. 
I think you start seeing like an empty Fenway Park equivalent to like a September empty Fenway Park by the end of April or by the end of May. Is that good? It's just going to depend on if they win. It's going to depend on if they bad. win because if they, it, it's terrible. But if they let's win, they win. win. Let's say they're mid Gordo. They're they're a five hundred team at the end of May. What do you think happens with attendance? Uh, it's going to be it's going to be worse than it was last year. I don't think it's going to be empty by any means until the end of the year, and like they're dead dead. But for the, from their hopes, if they're mid, then the only thing that would save you is if Marcelo Meyer sprints to the majors and is up by like August, because yeah. all like even normal red like even like because obviously like we're disgusting level of yeah, buddy. Of I'll Sox be there fans. all eighty one. What are you talking? Like yeah, about? we'll be we'll be there regardless. But like there's a bunch of people that won't go. But like if if Marcelo Meyer comes up like. That's not getting the casuals. Like Marcelo Meyer isn't even getting the casuals. No. I hate to say that. Yeah, not like, not look at some people. That's, that's no. the thing, though. But that's that's sports business is attracting the casuals. The hardcores if will be there in and tune in regardless. You don't need to worry about them unless you really alienate them. It's the casuals. I think I could walk down the street of Boston right now and ask people. <laughs> I think if I were to see someone with the Red Sox hat on, and if I were to go up to ten of those type of people and ask them, "Hey, do you know who Marcelo Meyer is?" I would say three of them would know exactly who that is. Agreed. But ask it again the day after he gets called up. But that's not the point. It's going into the season is the question, I think. I mean, like, Sammy, am I wrong? It's kind of like, what's the, like, what is the public perception of the team moving into opening day? Correct? Yeah, you need to get people in the building. If you don't have an attractive product and the consensus around the team is that one, they're not going to contend and two, ownership doesn't care as long as they're making a profit, especially in a city like Boston. You're going to get a big F you from the fan base and people are going to, st- I mean, I kind of do that myself. That. Not, not to, not to not mention sure. this is going to be coming down in the spring when both the Bruins and the Celtics are going to be making another playoff run. Who are yeah. dominant. And then you got the Patriots who are likely going to take a new quarterback Draft. in the fifth round, which is going to be like the talk of the town for months. Like, but what's the difference between this and last year? Like, cause this is exactly what happened last year. They didn't, they let Xander go and they didn't get any huge guys. And they were like a five second back to team. a second last place finish is the Bro, difference. I'll, I'll tell you. So the difference, not much with the casual fans, but with the hardcore fans, it's what we talked about last week when I went on my little mini rant. There are no more excuses. They've run out That's of true. them. They had they had legitimate excuses the last few years. Under luxury tax, gotta wait for the guys to come up from the minors, gotta build the core. They're all gone. All those excuses are gone. They are dead. I agree. Rest in peace. That's the difference. So I think there's a good chance they've already lost a good chunk of the casual fan base. And I'm not, and by the way, I'm not saying casual and in like a derogatory way. Not everyone is a diehard fan. Casual fans are very important too. I think they've lost a big chunk of that. And I think if it keeps going the way it's gone the last two, three years, they're going to start losing those more diehard fans, which is, it's sad. I those think, are the season ticket holders. I mean, yeah, I think Sammy's 100% right. The other thing, too, is going into seasons, they're giving us like these little nuggets. Like 22, you were coming off that ALCS. You're like, all right, maybe they're going to build something. And then they kind of fizzle out. They suck in 22. Last year, they extend Rafi. That was a tease and a half because you're like, oh, finally. Like, we're in the luxury tax. going to spend money again. Rafi gets locked up. They suck. Attendance goes down. I think people have caught on to the fact that it's now put your money where your mouth is. If you are not adding legit talent to this roster in a meaningful way, 
people will now see through that because this is going on three straight years of kind of stringing us along. And because of that, I think going into the season, there will be expectations will be in the ground if we go into the uh, this upcoming season with some combination of Giolito, Lugo, and Tyler Mall. Oh, like stop. It, please, it, please. That's a sexy happen. rotation you're, right there. Right. Just put Dick Fitz in there. and it, it, Every, people Everything you guys are saying... Everything you guys are saying is absolutely right. I just think that so many people go to Fenway Park, either A, as visiting fans, or B, just like for the Fenway experience. Like, I do think that what we saw towards the end of last year, like, I don't know what your definition of empty is because, like, we see some ballparks around the league where it actually is, like, legitimately empty. Like, Fenway Park is never going to look like that just because Ah. of the attraction that the ballpark itself is. Those Yankee games? They weren't empty. Yeah, they were. I okay, mean, it was cool. like is it was like the it first game. It was the full. first game of a doubleheader from like a rainout, but it's still a okay. Red that doesn't Sox count. Yankees that game. doesn't count. Okay, question. I got a question for you guys. It, it, let's say, and I hope this never happens, but let's say 2024, kind of the same old story. They half-ass us with the rotation, and the team is basically cooked right after the All Star game. Would you be happy or sad? If Fenway looked very, very empty, sad. I I, I hate seeing those pictures. I hate when like journalists are doing the whole dumping on like, oh, look how empty it is because that sucks. Like that's good though. People find their little bit of joy from their like hellish work, like nine to five with the. I would be happy. Like yeah, no. See, I would personally, I'd be like, good. Show them. Show them you're not going to show. If you don't care, we don't care. Lasa Opsa or whatever that word is. But I, I think, think that can quickly turn into what happens in Oakland. Like, it, not saying that'll happen in Boston, uh-huh. but I mean, that's what ha- that was what like the 60s and not really the 70s. But I mean, like Fenway Park got empty in like the 1900s when they were sucking. It's not like it was all like Sweet Caroline, like good times never felt so good. Like they yeah. were dark times. You know I don't do baseball history. Hey, <laughs> if you you're doomed to repeat that stuff, if you don't learn it, kid, put it in the noggin. I love when you're uh, you're trying to make a baseball point and someone goes like, "I've been watching since 1967." Therefore, dot dot dot. Like, okay. Yeah. All right, pal. Tell me what I, a, uh, tell me what FIP means, buddy. Yeah. <laughs> I feel uh, like it fit, would be fitted independently pitching. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, I can't when you pull that one out. Oh God, I feel like it would be like it would be sad in in the sense of like the oh like that meme like oh what happened to the to the game I love like that like it's like what happened to my childhood like what happened to my freaking baseball team but at the same time like I saw a tweet from a Yankee fan right after they got Soto and it said for all of those people who said like I hope this team loses all the rest of their games so that change happens y'all were right maybe maybe there's some maybe maybe something like that would happen it would suck because like i don't want to see fenway park empty i want the red Sox to be the team of boston and like it sucks to see that slipping away and like that has slipped away like it very much has but yeah i, I mean if it's number to, like, one i i don't celtics right now, have been I mean, number one like the last three years yeah, I mean, I think it'll always be like what Gorda said. It'll always be the Patriots, but the Celtics are like, you know what's so nice? Watching Celtics games because Brad Stevens went out, made tough moves, put together a really good team, built it the right way, and they're nasty. And it's really fun to watch. Can you 
friggin' fathom that. And same with the Bruins. That's quite the concept. Same with the Bruins. They lost some guys, but they draft well and they develop well. And look, Bobby friggin' Patra slots right in for Bergeron. And now you got a really fun rookie to watch and the team is rolling again. So like, And it's it's really cool when you have an owner like Wick, Wick Grusbeck who comes out and says, we will spend any denomination possible to bring another championship to Boston. That's really cool when you have an owner like that running one of your favorite teams. That's awesome. Wick, I love Wick that. Wick so cool. And he's like the most under-talked-about guy in Boston sports. Wick is yeah. like... We, we, this is a pro Wick podcast that I'm pretty confident I speak for all of us. We all love Wick. Good guy. Good hair, too, by the way. He looks Great like hair. a, Great he looks like a shot caller. That's a shot kid. Um, but I guess moving on from that, I mean, the Red Sox did make a splash. Um, so it, it's time to talk about the big star studded edition that, that I almost said Heim Bloom. Jesus Christ. Oof, oof. I mean, we're still stuck in those ways, it feels like, uh, but not. Um, that was, that was a joke. It does not feel like we're in that. I, there are people on Twitter that seriously say that. And now that the, I just spoke that into existence, I don't identify with you folks. Like that was, that was a joke on you guys. Um, but Craig Breslow did make an addition in the likes of big beefy boy, Tyler O'Neill, the outfielder for the Cardinals has himself yeah. two gold gloves, two gold gloves, two gold and- gloves. Yeah, we got a defender out there. Um, a solid bat, 250-ish career uh, bat. Solid OBP. Um, I I just saw that in the chat. Um, yeah, we, we, we just no, Coop. Pat Coop, just revealed I, that uh, Wick Grousebeck's real name is Wyclef. Wyclef. That's why we're all giggling. But yeah, That's such I, a G name. Yeah, go ahead, Gordo. Sorry to interrupt. Uh, but no, yeah, I, was, I mean, I, I mean, Tyler O'Neill's solid addition. No, I'm I'm in favor of it. I like no. the addition. We needed the right-handed bat. It's basically a replacement of Verdugo, but I think a more a potential for a more consistent Verdugo. Well, the the reason, like, I see a lot of people who mistakenly think that this is like a, maybe a fourth outfielder type. Like, that's very much not the case. Like, this is like a a legitimate upside addition, and like he could be a plus defender plus bat. And speed, if he puts it together, this is—he's—he's a, he's a guy on an on an expiring contract. Uh, I think he's a way better fit for Verdu- than Verdugo was for the Sox because a, he's a right-handed hitter. B, they needed power from the right-handed side. He makes less money than Verdugo. Um, he hasn't played much right field, but as a plus defender, two Gold Gloves, I think he can he could spot out there. He's going to hit well at Fenway Park. Like he's on, he's in his contract year. There's a lot of good things to like here. And I think the biggest thing that I see is that they didn't invest in one of those three or four year contracts. Like you maintain your flexibility while also investing in an upside. And usually if you want to invest in upside, like you're looking at one of these guys like, okay, I think Teoscar Hernandez can go back to what he was two years ago. I think that, like Jorge Soler at Fenway Park could hit 40 home runs. I think Lourdes Gurriel would play good defense. Like there's plenty of guys who you can invest three or four year contracts into that have plenty of upside. But the issue is the downside is if they stink, you're locked in for three or four years with O'Neill. You gave up very little. You get a guy who has upside and and if it works, you can extend him. And if it doesn't, then in a year you can see if, Luis Robert is available. 
if oh. the Padres are trying to shed more money and want to trade Tatis, or maybe Roman Anthony and Sedan Rafaela are knocking down the door of the big league club and you don't even need the guy anymore. Like, I think maintaining that flexibility in the outfield is big, and I didn't think they were going to be able to get a guy with upside to do that. And honestly, I was really impressed that they were able to do it. While also at the same time, if you if you combine that and the Verdugo move, they they have a better farm system than they did before that. They're spending less money than they were before that. And the prospects that they do have as a result, like he Dick Fitz projects as a starting pitcher. Even even if he's a back end guy, he projects as a starting pitcher. Nick Robertson, like as much as I thought he might be able to impact this year's Red Sox team, like he was going to be a reliever, and you didn't know what he was going to be. So I I really like the move. I think it's an underrated move. I don't think enough people are talking about it just because naturally you see Juan Soto go to the Yankees and you see Shohei Otani sign. Like who who the hell wants to talk about Tyler O'Neill? But I think this was a great trade. People aren't talking about the fact that he. Oh, sorry, Pat. Go for it. Go for it. I just found a very cool stat. We we could definitely get that happening. I I think we could do a workout session between like Duran and uh, O'Neill. Wait, you're not Pat. You're not you're not like intimidated at all. That was my that was my question. I need because Pat's our resident muscular guy on the podcast. So like Tyler O'Neill comes in, his biceps a little bit of a threat, little little threatening in the bicep and the trap department. Pat, I just want you to have a chance to say your piece here. But is it- Pat, are you quite, are you are you debating not going to winter weekend now? Are you scared at all? <laughs> okay, yeah, you got some time. Wear a padded suit. Wear a goose suit. I thought you meant. But you know what they say? Like it's it's a lot similar to like, you know like rising tides lift all boats. Um, you know, like very similar rising testosterone lift all testosterone so maybe your t levels will spike i mean that's that's a benefit let's monitor that all year long to see if like when tyler o'neill and or jaron duran do something productive we're gonna have a monitor on pat's t levels to see if they change good or bad i like that it will we'll like have pappy going we'll get a sponsorship it'll be i don't know if there's any like men's health gold's uh, gym 
It'll be Gold's, Gold's gym. Do they measure testosterone for people? No, I don't think so. Muscle but and fitness. Maybe that's something we can work out. Good outlet. Muscle we and could, fitness. Oh, it's like sponsorship. Okay. We could do like those Frank Thomas ads. Do you guys see those with him and Doug Flutie? You ever seen those? I forget what it's for. It's like testosterone something. All right. Or what? what is it? Uh, for Hims? I'm sure we could. If for Hims does a lot of sponsorship <laughs> stuff. Maybe we'll Pat can do like a I thought that was testosterone hair. check spot brought to you by for Hims. I will get Odyssey working on that. Uh, but like a, new, a cool little nugget for people. Um, Tyler O'Neill batting 500 with a 500 Babbitt at Fenway Park over 13 plate appearances. One dinger. That's just over. I mean, he's he only played there in 2022. So it's not like too much of a uh, of a, a field of uh, data there. But dude, dude plays well at Fenway. I mean, that's just the proven track record. Like that's history for you, Sammy. Um, but. <laughs> It'll be int- I, I definitely think it'll be interesting to see how he plays the outfield more than just like how his bat is at Fenway. Um, just because I, are, they've been talking about him most likely becoming center field. Uh, yeah. Adjusting to the triangle uh, is going to be quite interesting. Just anyone ever playing out there. But I think it also gives outfielders the ability to really show off their athleticism. So I'm always excited about that. So... That that's actually a question I wanted to raise. So he has a gold glove, but they're left field gold gloves, and it yep. looks like twenty twenty three, left field fifty eight games, center field thirteen games. Did not play right field, and the reason that concerns me a bit is that right field's right field, but at Fenway, that is by far the toughest right field probably on the planet that you're ever going to find. It's gigantic. You basically need a second center fielder. Best possible example I can think of. Jackie Bradley Jr. in center, Mookie Betts in right. Another one, Shane Victorino, center fielder his entire career, comes to the Red Sox, right field. So, yeah, that's a tough that's a tough assignment. I think I see him more as a left field platoon with uh, Yoshida. Possibly Trying to get Yoshida stuff. off his feet. Yeah, if there's if there's a tough lefty on the mound, maybe you spell Duran for a game because uh, Yoshida can hit lefties fine. You give O'Neill the start in center. I don't see him too much in right field, to be totally honest. Might be wrong, but yeah, I feel it. left field, center field. I my opinion on the trade changes dramatically if his if the plan is not for him to be in right field. Like, because you're right, Sammy, he hasn't played it pretty much at all. It was like I think it's like first year or two in the majors. He played like less than ten games or something there. Uh, <clears throat> but if their plan is to put him in right field, because he has a really good arm. Like, it's not just that he can play center field and has the range for that. Like, he's got a really good arm, too. It's a plus arm. So I, I think he should be able to handle right field. But yeah. if their plan is to basically have him be, like, a platoon with Willier, and when the games in the games that O'Neal plays, he plays left and Yoshida DHs. Like, basically what that would mean is that they're not going to go out and get a DH. And I think that our lineup does need another bat like it's another small. proven bat Dude, but like, what if i want turner you, i want well, turner back yeah. uh, what if you get your boy polanco though and then you can you can i mean people are gonna hate me for this you can hit that guy third between devers and casas i think that's fine but if you get like Whit merrifield then you kind of gotta get like a dh but uh gordo real quick o'neill in right field 2018 he played 24 games uh 2019 he played eight games that's it. 
That's his right field experience in Major League Baseball. So that scares me. But to have him jump into the most difficult right field in the league, I'm a little hesitant. But the way I kind of see it is, and of course I'm biased because I love this guy. Why not give Willier Abreu the job? Let him be the right fielder. You got Ref Snyder on the bench too. You got Rafaela. If it goes bad, you can plug those guys in. Duran in center. And then you have O'Neill in left, Yoshida DH. And then hopefully you get a second baseman with at least an average bat. And then I think you're good. Defense is good. Offense is good. I, that, that's how I'm looking at it now. And of course, they can make a move and get a right fielder and then a Bray, you can be traded. This all changes. But as it stands right now, I like a excuse me, platoon in left field, Willier in right, and then Duran in center. The way the way I see the the right field thing, because like you said, he hasn't played it in years, but in almost every ballpark in the majors, center field is going to be the hardest defensive outfield position to play, and they trusted him with that. So the way I see it is, if he can play center field in all these other ballparks and and do it to a Gold Glove caliber level, he can play right field. And yeah. I think the Sox. And to your point, you you said if they get Jorge Polanco. How do you feel about it? I don't feel that the need for a bigger DH is as pressing if they get a Jorge Polanco, but I thought their offense was good last year and it wasn't, but it wasn't great. If you swap for Dugo for O'Neill and then swap Turner for Polanco, you can't, you, you can try to make the argument that maybe you're like a little better. I wouldn't make that argument. I want them to be better than they were last year. So I want them both. You could get Turner. And both. then kind of that's what maybe, both. maybe get rid of get rid of Ref Snyder or don't have Rafael start in the majors. And by the way, yes, allow me to uh, allow me to make myself look bad for a second. <laughs> Will your Abreu played seven point one innings in right field last year? Uh, made an error, uh, three put outs or two put outs and three chances. So tiny, tiny sample size, which is like the cardinal sin in baseball. But yeah, it doesn't make me feel great. So. Well, we'll yeah, and I kind of like the scenario you laid out, actually. You bring in a guy like Polanco, you also bring back Turner, and then you truly make it like a platoon kind of mix and match kind of situation where you got a guy like O'Neill who has, as Pat mentioned, really long laundry list of injury issues, keep him off his feet a little. They got options, which is good. So we'll see how it goes. Oh, well, that's also what you the just... point, though, is that you can you – can sort of count on Tyler O'Neill getting hurt. Like, I don't want... I'm nervous to trust William Abreu with a full-time job on opening day. But you have Tyler O'Neill, who has an injury history. If you can count on him going down, William's going to get his chance. So that's how I see it. You go ahead, Coop. That kind of brings up my question of, like, you know, we talk about the Red Sox trying to be competitive heading into, like, opening day. And we bring up, you know, well, Tyler O'Neill, he has his injury issues, so they need to be able to patch up someone for that. And... You know, I bring up, well, I don't hate like Duvall coming back and kind of filling that slot of being like a rover of DH and outfield. Um, but he also has his injuries as put on display this past year. We talk about Whit Merrifield possibly coming in at second base and being a right-handed bat to help out the lineup that way. He's also someone who is older, most likely injury prone. Justin Turner, as Gordo had said, is a fan of coming back. Um, also injury prone and someone who... You know, they talked about last year him taking a bulk of second base slots. Like, is that something that can potentially be something there that you don't really want to rely on? But it is a possibility. And that's the whole unevenness of and then a 
of course, the Willier Abreu not having too many reps and being a fresh face out there. I, like, it really does boil down to, like, what what is the safest option to make them competitive? And that's what I still find very frustrating about the situation that the Red Sox are in and, like, what we discussed at the very beginning part of the show. I, like, I, I personally, even though Adam Duvall is injury prone, I know that his bat is something that is reliable when healthy. So, like, I, he is hands down my number one option right now. Just sign him back. Yeah, it'll be a fifth outfielder type situation, but hopefully he can take a bulk of DH slots. And then you also go out and sign someone who can be sign or trade for someone who can be a solid second baseman. Yeah, but I, I don't hate that. I, mean, I wouldn't say he's my top choice, but can't complain about getting Duvall back. As far as realistic like point of view, like I, Polanco would be beautiful, but like I just I don't count on the Red Sox being aggressive like that. So listen to this with the so I think Polanco is going to end up being the guy because the Twins want to trade him. The Red Sox have a need. It seems too obvious. Listen to this. We were talking last week about not being so sure about the lineup. If O'Neill is the right fielder, like Gordo wants, and Polanco comes in. And your lineup is something like Duran, Devers, Turner, Casas, Story, Yoshida, Polanco, O'Neill, Catcher. That's a friggin' that's an awesome lineup. You re-sign Turner, you bring in Polanco. Nasty, nasty. So, yeah, I, I, I'm co-sign on that one. I love that. That's a balanced, good lineup. Happens to the best of us. Let's go. Clip that. Clip that, Coop. We got to put that out on the internet, and then people will be renewed with hope. Pat will be a hero to the nation. Webster's word of 2023, red flaggy. Red flag. (laughs) The clack? What? Oh, okay. I got you on that. Well, no, I... (laughs) 
I only concern myself with one real doctor of Red Sox Twitter, and that's Pat Brown. Uh, oh no, <laughs> <laughs> that's a real doctor. Oh god. Uh, but let's wrap it up with a little enough said as we head out. Uh, you guys can enjoy your beautiful Monday or whenever you happen to listen to this. Listen on opening day. I mean, or when we, I guess it's opening day. Whenever we release this, can we just call like the day that it debuts opening day? Like we have three opening days a week. <laughs> oh, like, God. So like Monday, Wednesday, Friday are all opening days for us. So listen on opening day. Subscribe so you can, so you can listen on opening day. We're, we're but, an uh, opening day podcast. We are. We're, are we the... Are we the first and only podcast to have opening day podcasts? The opening day podcast of the Boston Red Sox of WEEI of Odyssey. Yeah. On opening day. Hell yeah. Put, Put that, on a shirt. Yep. Just have like one of those like, I mean, it's going to end up being the Patriots real soon, but the Cleveland Browns uh, quarterback jerseys where it's just a long list. But my enough said, I'm just going to jump right into it. Alex Cora uh, leaving the Red Sox? question mark a whole lot of news just because people are bored and they can't think of anything else um so alex core is in the last year of his contract uh, an extension is that was bubbling up after the whole otani thing because it's kind of like well where does cora want to coach in the future the dodgers might need a coach after they take dave roberts and shoot him out back for almost ruining the otani thing uh alex core also has connections to the dodgers I'm not saying that there's any smoke there, but that kind of fr- like it freaks me out, like that the Dodgers can just spend on anything that they want now. Uh, but I don't, I don't think Cora would want to go anywhere. I think he's someone that does want to progress his career. Uh, he had mentioned in, I believe it was Smitty Christopher Smith of Mass Lives article uh, from today or late uh, last night. This weekend has kind of been a blur just because of Otani, but he said, I understand how it works. Cora said at the winter meetings, I know this is something we're going to discuss. We're going to talk in time, but I think right now from my end, I'm not being selfish. Xander Bogart stig. I think the most important thing right now is to make this team better. We're in the process now of trying to acquire guys and there's talk about trades and all that stuff. So let's do that first. Whenever they want to talk about it, we'll talk about it. We'll see what happens. Thank you, AC. Uh, yeah, so that kind of freaks me out. I would like Core to be involved with the Red Sox forever. And I think that's, it's like thinking about death. It's inevitable. So why think about it? But it is something that you do have to plan for. Okay, question with a question. Ooh. Why would he want to stay here if upgrades aren't made? Because he's been fairly clear that he wants mm-hmm. upgrades. Why, mm-hmm. what, would, what would be the reason for him staying here? Uh, a front office, front office position office that he still is not being given. But why? Would, but what if he wants to be a manager? <laughs> Daughter goes to be you. Does that that's, that's sort of the way I look at it too, Pat. 
I, I think that the Sox are at greater risk of losing him as their manager to him moving into the like the riskier thing is him moving into the front office. I don't I think he's going to use the council thing as leverage either to negotiate his extension towards the end of the offseason closer to spring training or he'll test the market and make them pay there if you want. But I don't I don't think he's going to manage elsewhere. That's just the way I feel now. I, I'm not that worried about it. <laughs> hope so yeah i like that any hey, enough sets what's what tough, else is good tough, uh, tough day for the uh weird contingent of crazy red sox fans who for some reason don't like alex cora because apparently a ton of teams are interested I, in the i don't understand the hate People just don't. It's stupid. Don't Is even. it just they're looking even. for a scapegoat? Don't even. Yeah, I was going to say even. they need someone to blame for the fuck ups and blame yourself. There's oh, if you're if you're pointing at you, there's what ten fingers pointing back at you or some whatever that saying goes. You, you're the fault here. Alex Cora is never the fault. A lot of fingers, a lot of fingering. Anyway, so <laughs> lineup said really quick. Uh, Mike Trout. Angels say they won't trade him. Say Angels. Who knows. <laughs> Hypothetically, I don't want to get into specifics. Let's say the Angels eat a big chunk of money and they say to the Red Sox, we'll take your fifth best prospect and, I don't know, Tanner Houck for Mike Trout. And he's your kind of DH outfield mix-in. That's your big right-handed bat. Mike Trout, 32 years old. Let's ignore the money. Because the Angels are eating it. What do you guys think? You down? Down for Trout in Boston? I need no. a splash. So count me in. But when oh. the Angels say they're not going to trade someone, I tend to believe them because they didn't trade Shohei when, oh my God, how dumb do they look for not trading Shohei? So yeah, the way the way I see it, I think they, are, they actually mean business and they're not going to trade him, which I think is crazy. They should rebuild. But some of these teams just don't want to rebuild. You were talking about on Twitter with the Brewers. It's the same thing. They're crazy. All of them. But, but at the same time, they did trade for Giolito, Lopez, and uh, Matt Moore. And then they flipped all of them. So For nothing. Huh? They, they flipped them all for nothing. They did it just to get under the tax. They wasted a ton of prospect capital to throw some sort of Hail Mary at the postseason. Didn't get it. Lost those guys and Otani in the process. Yeah. They, they screwed up their, their organization for the next... Five you know, to ten years. years. Yeah, it this all sucks. What, that's that's exactly what in uh, 2022. Remember when the Red Sox got Eric Hosmer and Tommy Pham? That's exactly what Red Sox fans wanted the team to do. Was like take this team that has like a two percent chance to make the playoffs that you know is just going to get slaughtered if they do make it, and like go all in for them. People wanted that, so let's just be happy that we don't uh, pull the strings and that we. Yeah, have but just ball. just think of the memories that we could all make. Yeah, that's, true. That's what's really things. important, you know? Yes, I remember uh, nothing from 2022. Anyway. From this past year, that that one time that we sat out in the rain. Watching I the sat in the rain so many times yeah, this year. So much rain. So much rain. I just sit there and I get mad. I'm like, 
I feel like I'm being used by the Red Sox as like a foolish fan who will just show up because I love the friggin' team in the park and I sit there and just get pissed. What if what if John Henry goes out this year in the offseason? They don't sign anyone, but they invest in how to control the weather. And they can promise you that 81 games a year, you are going to have the perfect ballpark weather here in Boston. You're not challenge flag coop challenge flag you ever you're not you're not enjoying chris sale as your number one and bail as your number two you ever been a little a little bit drunk in a rain delay at fenway it's not a bad time i saw bad. people diving into water uh so i oh i can't imagine it's the best so thing gross. it's that I mean, honestly john henry would be doing the public health services of boston a favor by making sure that people are not diving into mud puddles anymore no, second challenge flag. He'd be doing them a disservice because they'd have less clientele who have hepatitis from the Henway, Fenway rainwater. Yeah, Just. that's a good thing. You get no. more people to come back. You're just killing people if you're having these rainstorms. But that's a pretty cool way to go. How did he go? How did he die? He got hepatitis at Fenway, dude. He slid across concrete, ripped open his chest, and just exposed himself to the grossest water that you have ever seen. But the Sox won in yeah, 11 so that's true. Yeah, They finished so it up at 1 a.m. and they ended up getting the win. Yeah. Well, okay. Worth yeah, it. This is how, this how little, I thought this was. Little Billy's life was worth it. Uh, in conclusion, we're all in on Mike Trout to the Red Sox. <laughs> <laughs> how did that happen? Uh, Any more enough sets? I'm, I'm like. Yeah, no. I'm, I'm suff- suffering from the sniffles still. <laughs> no, I, I got to go too, but you go first. What? Conglomerate? I still don't think that's right. Yeah, I mean, the Saudis have been trying to buy Liverpool for a while. I like it's. I, I think I don't think John Henry wants like some of these assets anymore. <laughs> oh, it's, like an, it's, it's like an investment. It's like an investment. He probably sees it as he'll have more money after this because it becomes profitable and blah 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 blah. Boring. My college roommate is a diehard Penguins fan. Yes. Um, even after they stopped winning Stanley Cups? Even today. Yeah, he's always posting on uh, on his Instagram story about the pens. Yeah, he loves the pens. Okay. Uh, uh, the bartender at 21st Amendment in downtown Boston on Fridays, Saturdays, and I think Tuesdays is a Penguins fan. His name's Nick. Good guy. Big Only fans. on those days or outside the those days is he also a Penguins fan? He's a Penguins fan every day. But okay. I don't know which ones he worked. But I do know a Penguins fan. I have no clue how he feels about a Fenway Sports Group. But uh, 
Who cares? Penguins. I suck. have I have a roommate from college that was a Penguins fan, and then when we went to GW, he became a Capitals fan. So that just makes me think that he's just Fake a fair weather fan. Penguins is such an unintimidating name for a hockey team, by the way. Yeah, but their Penguins. jerseys go so hard. No, no, I don't like their jerseys. No, no, they're no. nice. Plus, I, I'm a fan of Sidney Crosby. I don't understand he's, the Sidney Crosby hate. Me neither. He's cool. He's cool. One of generational. Yeah, he's a dude. Um, but any any other enough sets? Are we wrapped up on enough set? Gordo, you got enough set? Gordo's got a banger. I got like a little Gordon. taste I, for us. I got enough said. I got enough okay. said. It's it's about Roki Sasaki, the Japanese oh. sensation. Do you do you how many of you guys know do you guys know who this guy is? I want to say I've heard his name floated around. Yeah. I've heard him compared to Otani, but not so much Yamamoto. I, I don't know if he's uh quite as good as Yamamoto. I know he's got a really high ceiling and he throws gas, but I think he's I better. He what? drilled he drilled that um Yeah, he's a kid. I mean he Yeah, I mean he's Yamamoto, just a boy. Yamamoto's got the three three Sawamura, which is their Cy Young Award. So Sasaki's got a ways to go, but I remember in the World Baseball Classic, he hit the Czech Republic guy in the ankle with like a hundred four mile an hour fastball and then brought the guy like flowers or something after the game yep. to apologize. So I already love this guy, Roki. So Going into Sasaki here, because I feel like this is a guy that people should know about. So he is, and like the reason he, like Yamamoto has won three straight Sawamura, basically the Cy Young of Japan. Sasaki is only 22 and he just turned 22. So this is a guy who's like a prospect and he's probably the best pitching prospect on the planet. I went back and looked at, because I remember Jeff Passan wrote a big article about him. And evaluators told him that if this guy wants to be the best pitcher on the planet, he has the ability to do that. He said that he's a Jacob deGrom starter kit with a dominant splitter in place of deGrom's slider. And the reason we're talking about this guy is that he just requested to be posted out of the blue. But, of course, there's a couple of wrenches in this. Uh, first off, NPB teams are required to post players by December 15th, a.k.a. this coming Friday. So if they don't post them by then, like, too bad. Uh, but the other thing is that to cash in big, players in international players have to be at least 25 years old or have at least six pro seasons under their belt in order to receive anything more than just international bonus money, which of which teams have between four and a half and seven million per year. So basically, if this guy, if he waits a couple years could get paid in all likelihood more than what Yamamoto's getting or about to get. And if he wants to go now, if he somehow is able to do that, he's going to do what Otani did and get like a pretty small signing bonus and then have to play out the rookie contract. But the way I see it, I mean, if if he were able to, and he's not going to be able to get it regardless, even if the team posts him, but I he would blow Yamamoto out of the water contract-wise because he's only 22. He throws 102-mile-an-hour fastballs. Like we saw Shohei do this and like it, it earned Shohei more money because Shohei was able to prove that he could pitch and hit and then become a free agent and then cash in now having proved that he is great at both. But Shohei in his contract was able to do that because he had this clause that allowed him to opt out whenever he wanted to go to Major League Baseball, even if it was early. The reason that this is, the reason that this has my ears perked, because yesterday I heard about this and I basically brush it off as a nothing burger because I figured they have no incentive to post them. But apparently there's a chance that Sasaki has that same clause. So 
I, I suppose there is a chance that maybe he ends up getting posted. If And if it doesn't happen this year, maybe it's setting the stage for next year. But the issue is, if you want this guy on the Red Sox, there's 14 teams with larger bonus pools available than the Red Sox right now. And presumably, this guy is so good that they would literally forego their entire class of international prospects to pay the guy. And the LA Times pointed out the Dodgers, Giants, and Padres have scouted the guy extensively and like they didn't mention the Sox. So even if he doesn't get posted this week, maybe it's setting the stage for next year. Next year's we've been over it there. Next year's free agent pitching class is insane. And if you added this guy to it, it's just even crazier. Uh, I just think it's shocking because I was I heard of this guy last year at the WBC. And at the time it was like, oh yeah, in three years he'll get posted. And I was like, okay, like I'll learn about this guy a little bit because they're saying he's the best pitching prospect on the planet. But like, we don't need to learn anything soon. But now, if he comes over now, like that, that would be absolutely bananas. Like, this guy would be probably freaking great and then cash in in six years as an age 28 free agent, which we've seen guys who hit free agency that young get paid like crazy. So, I don't think the Sox would have a chance to do it. But if they did, oh my God, it's better than any free agent signing they could make. I promise you that. On um on Sasaki, very different from Yamamoto, six four, close to two hundred pounds. That's a that's a horse, right? That's there, a David Wells. He's twenty two. He's still growing. Yeah, that's a growing boy, David and he muscular. throws. I'm, I think you said hundred two, but I'm pretty sure he's topped out higher than that. Now we're kind of splitting hairs, but like the dude has a nuclear arm. So okay, whoa, whoa, whoa. Gordo just made a good point. We get him on bulking. Get him to the Red Sox, introduce him to both Jaron Duran and Tyler O'Neill, and he's looking like the Japanese version of Aroldis Chapman in no time. Dude, come on, he now. posted a picture. Aroldis posted a picture. Yeah, terrifying. Did you see that? Oh With my his dog. god! Yeah, you shouldn't. You can't be that big of a human, and then also have a dog that also looks like it can kill someone. Like you. <laughs> You should be limited to like wiener dogs, like Aaron Judge. Like Aaron Judge has a dog that I think is fitting of him. It's kind of like, all right, you're intimidating, but you also have a fun side. Aralis Chapman looks like the personality that he does have and has shown to have uh, in the past. So kind of fitting. Yeah, he's he's uh, he's capable of some scary things. So on that, do we just empty the tank on enough set? We, we good to go. Oh, we yeah. get to wrap it up, boys. Yeah, I mean, I'm good. All right, well, on that note, this has been Playtest, the episode 13. For Pat, 
myself, Gordo, Sammy, I believe fourth or as of recording this fourth night of, Han- of Hanukkah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Happy fourth yeah, night when you. people are listening. Fifth, fifth day of Hanukkah coming up. So happy Hanukkah to our to our folks out there. Um, do you guys do anything like baseball related? I, just quick. This is a quick enough set. Do you have any like fun like Jewish baseball Hanukkah? Oh, no. Oh, Gordo's got something for us. Not a Jewish Hanukkah, but because like I, to, um, you know, you know, Joan and Ed's diner in like Newton or Needham or something. I don't know, yes. but they had a di- It's just like Jewish diner, and I got for Hanukkah one year a deck of uh, Jewish baseball player cards, and like you know, representation super important for like a yeah. young kid. So for me, seeing that, I was like, oh my god, I could be a major league baseball player. And then I famously went on to pitch ten years in the majors. So people forget. Yeah, it really inspired me. So thank that you, John and Gordo. What do you got? So all the candles just fell out of this thing. Oh, hell yeah. This is my menorah. That kind of rocks. Oh, I've had this thing here, since dude. I was a kid. You're you're out out Jewishing me and it's offensive. You know, Look it doesn't that. say, but I assume yes. <laughs> That's like because I I Pat, I don't know if you're the same way, like where you have like Red Sox Christmas ornaments. I'm trying to figure out when I can start taking those and like my mom not get upset about those. Big of you. Hell yeah. (laughs) Welcome to the team. Big fan of latkes. You know, what's so messed up is uh, in the, in the Jewish culture, Latkes, there's like a big debate what? Uh, what, the best top, what the best topping is. Oh. And it's it's sour cream, which is my pick, or applesauce, which I think is so stupid. So I, I'm team yeah. sour. Viva applesauce. Come on. Ooh, I don't like sour cream. Give me you can, well, oh, I can tell sauce. you both that if Fenway Park was in charge of having either applesauce condiments or sour cream condiments, they would probably mess it up. Um, but this has been an episode 13. Happy Hanukkah uh, to wrap that up. And uh, wherever you listen, please subscribe. You know, if you're listening on the Odyssey app, like a good cherub, uh, going to get many presents for Hanukkah or Christmas or Kwanzaa or whatever holiday you might be celebrating right now. Uh, if you're listening on Apple or Spotify, that's cool too. We appreciate it. And if you're a weirdo listening on the Google app, uh, we still love you, but still go ahead and subscribe, subscribe wherever you listen. Uh, let us, let us have a great holiday season by you gifting us with that. And we're going to continue to gift you guys with this great content. So on that note, have a great week, have a solid Monday or whenever you're listening to this, this has been play Tessie. Toodaloo. Okay. Picture this. It's Friday afternoon. When a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with h track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. 
Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.